Welcome to the podcast. Big show today. Glenn goes over the speech and, and gives you his take from last night. And it's it's not something you could see anywhere else uh, or hear anywhere else. Uh, he broke the speech down in a totally different way. Uh, make sure you don't miss that. Starts the show. Uh, his monologue there is where he goes through all of that. Don't miss that. We have Thomas Massion, the uh, congressman from Kentucky, who goes through his take on the speech last night and what's going on in D.C. Bill O'Reilly joins us for a special, special uh, appearance. He's usually on Fridays. He's on today instead to give you his take on what happened with the speech last night. And Stephen Moore, uh, a uh, economist and former uh, advisor to President Trump, comes on to depress you about billions and trillions of dollars. Uh, And by the way, after trillion comes quadrillion. You'll be learning that very soon if you don't know it already. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to get your subscription. You can see our coverage from the speech last night. Mark Levin was on, Steve Dace, myself, Jason Buttrell. It was a great show. You can check it out uh, as well as Glenn's take. And uh, you get 20 bucks off your subscription right now if you use the promo code Glenn. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and click over to Stu Does America on this podcast app as well. Subscribe. It's free. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. What the heck does that mean? What does that mean? Last night, if you watched Biden's speech and you knew what you were looking for, it was a carefully crafted speech, uh, in some regards, a little schizophrenic. Um, we are we are a nation that, if I can quote, uh, has uh, uh, has had the plague uh, on America of systematic racism. And yet we're the greatest country in the world. I mean, the speechwriter, I, I heard a, that he went to his psychiatrist the other day and said, you know, I'm hearing voices. And his psychiatrist said, you don't have a psychiatrist. <laughs> so uh, it's a little schizophrenic, but it was only schizophrenic because they were saying the things that people want to hear and then saying the things they have to say to be able to have a complete storyline in the end this is probably the most important speech a president has given um and it's the biggest warning any progressive marxist anyone who wants to thwart america has ever given i need you to pay attention to this speech today if you want to be prepared for what's coming You have to pay attention to this speech, but in a different way. There are four things that he set up, and I'll go through them. First, white supremacy is a plague, and it is the biggest danger. In fact, he said white supremacists are the most lethal threat to America. How do you define a white supremacist? Anyone who denies that there is some sort of, you know, white uh, indoctrination and, uh, 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 you know, systematic racism. If you deny those things, you are a racist, a white supremacist. And so that is a threat. Second thing, he's questioning whether our democracy works. He wants it to work. He wants it to work. But he's not sure if it does. Third, China is the threat and the model. 
and they are not waiting around. Four, we have to act now or our system doesn't work. Now, let me go through this. First, if you're a white supremacist, you believe in the republic. You believe in uh, the, uh, the system of merit that we should be judged not by our skin color, but by the content of our character. You believe in the founding documents. You believe that the amendments are absolute. Those rights are absolute. They come from God, not the government. That is going to be more and more defined as a white supremacist. Um, now, when he said our democracy doesn't work, you have to understand what he told the uh, press before the speech. CNN reported, and I'm going to quote the president. CNN reported that before, their, uh, before the speech, President Biden got together with a few of the, uh, the elite media and had a conversation with them. This is so Woodrow Wilson, it is, it's terrifying to me. You know, if you've listened to me for any time, I hate Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was a racist and an absolute danger to the republic. He's the guy that really started this ball rolling. And it was the final move, the final chess pieces are being put onto the table right now. So he met with the, the trusted news sources. And they do that so they can bring them in and so they can explain it to the dumb American people. Now, here's what he said, according to CNN. And I quote, and I really believe, because I've spoken with over, I guess, 25, 30 heads of state, including Putin, including President Z. I had a two-hour conversation with President Z. <laughs> and I've been convinced for a long time. Dot, dot, dot. <sighs> Look, I doubt whether most of you would agree with me. But I think we're going to... Look, they're going to write about this point in history. Not about any of us here but about whether democracy can function in the 21st century. What is he saying here? He's saying a lot. I've been convinced for a lot, a long time. Convinced of what? He stops. He never finishes that. Then he says, I doubt w whether most of you would agree with me. About what? That they're going to write about this point in history. Not about any of us here, but whether or not democracy can function in the 21st century. I would agree with that. Who wouldn't agree with that? The historians are going to look back at this time and say that's what was being decided. That's not controversial. What's controversial is what he didn't finish. I've been convinced for a long time. He says they're going to write about us, not about us here, but uh, whether or not democracy can function in the 21st century. Then he says, not a joke. Whether autocracy is the answer. They were my discussions and debates that I've had many times that I've met with President Z. Think about it. You know, things are moving so damn rapidly. Things are changing so rapidly in the world, in science and technology, and a whole range of other issues, that the question is, in a democracy such, uh, that's such a genius as ours, 
can you get a consensus in the time frame that can compete with autocracy? This tells you everything you need to know. He and his people do not agree. Neither did Woodrow Wilson. Neither did Mussolini. Neither did Hitler. Neither did Stalin. Neither did the New York Times. Back in the 1930s, this was exactly the conversation. And it started really with Wilson. Science was happening. Things were moving quickly. If we go to war, can we build a war machine fast enough? We need to have an autocracy because they can say, everybody make bullets. We're going to war. So it's centralized and it's directed by the government. So you can change on a dime. But that's not our system. By the way, we were never going to be able to catch up with Germany. In 1941, we were so far away from being prepared for that war, especially against Germany, which had the best planes, the best tanks, the best of everything. By 1944, the American free market kicked its ass. So this is not a new idea. So what is he saying? He is setting up before the speech. I think we all should question our democracy. Then in the speech, he sets the trap. He's saying people are questioning. He's not saying him. He's saying people are questioning all around the world. Can a democracy work? So that's the framework of the speech. So every time that he said, you'll notice he said it a lot. The world won't wait. We've got to make these changes now. Quoting. I'd like to meet with those who have ideas that are different. I think and that they think are better. I welcome those ideas, but the rest of the world is not waiting for us. I want to be clear. Doing nothing is not an option. We can't be so busy competing with one another that we forget that the competition we have here is the rest of the world to win the 21st century. Then he goes in another time. I've traveled with President Z, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, he's deadly earnest about becoming the most significant, consequential nation in the world. He and others, the autocrats, think democracy can't compete. Then he later says, the world is caught up or catching up. They're not waiting. I would say if we are sitting down and putting a bipartisan committee together and we said, okay, we have to now decide what we're going to do in terms of government providing free education. I wonder what we'd think. Well, we wouldn't have that conversation under a republic. It, it, constitutional republic, we, you don't have that conversation. He also started the first 14 minutes. I can't tell you how many times. Go back and watch it if you can. He kept saying that it was the people in that room. You made the difference. You are saving lives. You are the reason we are getting past COVID. You are the reason why our economy is coming back. Not the American people, but Congress. He said over and over again, we have to have the courage to act now. We can't wait. He made it very clear. China is the threat and the possible model if we can't get our crap together. The fourth thing was we have to change and we are competing. So we have to act right now. 
and I want this to happen. But we got to act right now because the world won't wait. The whole theme of this was crisis and opportunity. That's how he started it. Crisis and opportunity. So let me tell you what's going to happen. Give me a one minute break and then I'll come back and tell you how this is a trap and how it's all going to play out in the playbook. There are very few times that I'm on the air and I, I, and I just know, I know it's right. I'm telling you, I know this is right. I know this is right. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We want to bring on Thomas Massey. He is uh, the congressman from uh, northern Kentucky. He is somebody who went to MIT, uh, has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, master's degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, while he was in school, he invented technology that uh, just is is in use everywhere now. He's got like 29 different patents. The guy is really, really brilliant, knows what's on the horizon, knows the threats uh, that uh, losing our place with technology will uh, will cause. Uh, and watch the speech last night. Thomas Massey, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Glenn. I used to work in artificial and intelligence and virtual reality, and now I'm in Congress working in artificial <laughs> intelligence and virtual reality. It is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It, it was. It was. It was the most uh, schizophrenic speech I've ever heard. We have systematic racism all throughout our uh, justice system, but the cops, vast majority, are great, and they have nothing to do with it. Wait. What? Uh, it's a great country, but we've got to change it fundamentally. I, I mean, it was a schizophrenic speech. Yeah. Speaking of schizophrenia, he blamed China for subsidizing their private companies and being in bed with government. Yet that's what he's proposing to do with all of right. these programs. Uh, let's start with the virtual reality here. It was it was high theater. If you looked at the room. They had five seats, at least, between every member. But I fly back and forth from Congress with these members. They sit shoulder to shoulder on the airplanes with everybody else. Right. But the planes are packed right. these days. They spend right. more time on the airplane than they did in that room. And you know everybody in that room has either been vaccinated, acquired immunity through infection, or, or Thomas, is wearing a freaking mask. Thomas, I, I watch the pre-feed. So I got the network feed uh 45 minutes early so i'm watching them all come into the room they're all hugging each other they're all kissing through the masks they're standing right next to each other there was no social distancing until the network started their coverage then everybody went to their positions it was you're, high theater you're absolutely right and i've been on the floor it's not uh, within the rules for me to take a picture but I might have done that. I'm not saying I did, but I might have pictures of Democrats <laughs> hugging each other in large groups on the floor of the House. Meanwhile, Pelosi will sue you if you don't wear a mask. But that's, you know, that's the theater. Here, here's another thing, Glenn. Speaking of the schizophrenia, uh, he said 650 billionaires in America saw their net worth increase by more than a trillion dollars during the pandemic. Well, that's what I said was going to happen back at March 27th of not this year, but last year when they passed the first $2 trillion bill. And I'm not singling out Joe Biden. I'm singling out everybody in D.C. 
mm-hmm. who wouldn't stand up and even vote on the freaking bill. Remember, I was mm-hmm. the guy CNN called the most hated man in Washington, D.C. That's probably the first and last time they ever got a headline right. Uh, and I was hated for <laughs> simply saying we need to vote on it and we need to read the bill. That was the first $2 trillion. We've spent $6 trillion. I said these little checks, then I know they're consequential, but they're little in comparison to the amount of money that was spent. That's the cheese in the trap. These, these yep. $2 trillion bills are the biggest wealth transfer from, from the middle the class to the upper class yep. in the history of mankind. And you're not even talking about the $6 trillion that the Fed has just printed or digitized and given to the banks. $6 trillion in the last 12 months. When Biden, you know, he had to go from $10 minimum wage to $15 minimum wage because that's how much they've devalued the dollar in a year. <laughs> so inflation. what was... What what was the thing, Thomas, that stuck out to you the most? What is the thing that you think people are missing? What's the clarion call here on this? Well, the biggest thing is he's not a moderate. If you had any hopes of him governing as a moderate, you can disabuse yourself of that notion. He is full, hardcore left. He promoted every one of Nancy Pelosi's bills, which, by the way, were crafted by the most radical left elements of her party that have passed the House of Representatives. They're all, you know them by their number. They're H.R. less than 10, I call them. Right. There's, I never vote for H.R. less than 10. Even when we're in the majority, those are usually pretty bad bills. But there was H.R. 1, which would fundamentally change elections and federalize them, make voter ID virtually impossible to implement. There's H.R. 8, the gun control bill, that all the other H.R. less than 10s, which are so radical. When they pass the House, we say, yeah, they pass the House, but they'll never make it through the Senate. But he's there pounding on the lectern say, send me these bills, I'll sign them. Folks, he's not, he's not anywhere near moderate, and he's a captive of the radical left within their party. So, Thomas, we did the math yesterday. One thing you didn't hear, and I've always heard this my whole life when you're watching the networks cover these things, They would always say, you know, just on the back of the napkin, what I heard was this president uh, suggested that we would spend an additional four hundred and eighty one billion dollars last night. Just in the two packages he talked about, not everything else, just in the two packages. That's almost five trillion dollars we have in the last 12 months spent and digitized nine. Nineteen trillion dollars if these two bills pass. Nineteen trillion dollars in the last 12 months. I'm not as good at math as you are. Uh, when he said oh, well, this economy is going to turn around, we are going to have a boom, um, but it's going to be coupled with massive inflation at the same time, is it not? Absolutely. We're We're on a sugar high right now. He said that the America Rescue Plan, we're already seeing the results of it. And I say, yeah, if you want to see the results of it, go try to buy a sheet of plywood. And you will see the results of the American Rescue Plan. And by the way, while we're talking numbers, $5 trillion is about 20% of GDP. Biden bragged that GDP is going to go up 6% this year. Well, if you're spending 20%, if you're throwing out the money and you're spending 20%, is it a miracle that it goes up 6%? No, where'd the other 14% go? Uh, 
when he was proposing this jobs plan and he said, you know, we've got to build America strong and we're going to we're going to fix our infrastructure. And he talked about the lead pipes. OK, fine. You know, that's that's bad. We should have, you know, no lead in our water pipes, et cetera, et cetera. But he said these are good jobs. No, they're not. That is fixing 200 schools and, you know, colleges or whatever he said had the lead pipes. And that's that's fixing those uh, institutions. That's not something that creates wealth or creates new jobs. So how how are these jobs now directed by the government going to create new wealth? It's not going to. Then the checks are keeping people at home. Uh, people are which is in turn adding to inflation. That's right. Because we, we can't demand. get people to make things. Used car prices are going up quickly. Uh, and, the, and the jobs he's talking about are tradespeople. You know, uh, I put them yeah. on a higher plane than college graduates, frankly. Yep. But yeah, I do too. Scarce. They're more scarce than college graduates. They're more political yes, science they're. majors, I guarantee it, than there are plumbers and electricians. And these are the kind of jobs that he's, he's talking about. But they're already, if you have that skill, you can go to work tomorrow. Those folks are always in demand. So he's, you know... Uh, and what what passes for infrastructure? I'm on the transportation committee. Okay, I would, you know, this is one of my uh, guilty things as a libertarian-leaning Republican. I actually believe government has a place in building the roads. And so I said, put me on the transportation committee. It's one of the few things we should be spending money on. So I could be for an infrastructure bill. Look, we spend $60 billion, $60 billion a year on roads and bridges at the federal level, yet we've spent $6 trillion. Like the $60 billion that we've spent, is, it's like less than 1% of the money that's gone out the door. But that's about the ratio you're going to get on his infrastructure bill that's coming up. They're calling everything infrastructure. Could you t- change subject? Because you would be one guy that understands this. Um Apple is saying that uh, the price of their products are going to go up because of the chip shortage. Uh, Ford just had a record-breaking quarter, uh, but now they're saying that they are going to have to reduce the number of cars that they're building because of the chip shortage. What is that caused by, and what does that mean? (laughs) Well, in my uh, pastime here, or as a hobby, I design electrical circuits. And uh, I can tell you, you know, I used to, I did this 20 years ago, but as a hobby, I'm doing it now. You have two choices when you buy chips now. You can either buy Chinese branded chips made in China, or you can buy American or Japanese branded chips made in China. Like, literally, wow. we don't have the capacity to, it's from chips, like whether it's a, it's a, a factory that makes chips or a factory that forges the, the castings for our machine tools, there are certain fundamental capabilities that are critical to our economy, but also to our national defense. We just don't have the capability I have to tell of doing you, it anymore. This is where, that's infrastructure that I would support. Give us, you know, help us build uh, the infrastructure to be able to, or make it easy by cutting regulations to build the things where we can be independent. This is insanity. In a world where chips run everything, we don't make them anymore? We don't make them anymore. Uh, it's scary. And the, and the change in the last 20 or 30 years, you used to be able to buy a chip 
that was made in a foundry here in the United States or you could buy one overseas. But the domestic option is not an option anymore. You could buy a domestic brand that's made overseas. Right. But that is it for 99.99% of these chips. Okay, so so tell me, why is this happening? Is this just because of the COVID slowdown in shipping? Is this intentional on China's part? Uh, and what can we do? I don't think it's intentional. I think they had a small slowdown. Uh, you know, Hubei province, Wuhan, that's, that's where a lot of this activity actually is. So they had okay. a small slowdown there. Uh, you had a kink in virtually every aspect of our own supply system here in the United States. You know, the chip manufacturers aren't going to keep making chips when you're not making the appliances that use those chips. Correct. So they they slow down. But now we're, you know, the appliance industry here in the United States is doing great. They can't keep up with the demand of refrigerators, dishwashers, washing machines. Part of that's because everybody's staying home. Part of that's because you just put, you know, $1,500 in their hands per family member, $1,400. So demand's going through the roof where it's a sample. It's like when a... um, it's like when a bridge, there's an accident on a bridge and traffic backs up and you realize how reliant you are on that bridge, how everything, is, you know, on both sides of the mm-hmm. river shut down. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with this. This is a wake up call. We, you know, it's like the bridge got temporarily shut down. We'll get over this. There, it's not intentional it, on China's there, part. But what do we do? Is there, right. Is there anybody working on it? I've, I'm sorry. I'm up against the network break. Is there yeah. anybody doing anything about it or that we can do about it? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. <sighs> okay. Uh, Thomas Massey, yeah. I, I have so much to talk to you. Maybe we'll have you back on because I, I want to talk to you about the future of the Republican Party. So maybe we can invite you to come back on with us. Uh, I appreciate the, the you spent with us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show, Glenn. Thank you so much. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. The new book that comes out, I think, next Tuesday uh, from Bill O'Reilly is Killing the Mob, one of his best books yet, I think. Uh, Killing the Mob, available now for pre-order at BillOReilly.com or wherever you buy your books. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program, sir. Back. Thanks for having me in. You know, I think what happened to uh, President Biden last night, about eight minutes into the speech, is he, he segued into his Don Corleone voice. Luca, my... My great friend, you know, that's what he it does was. have that. Yeah. yeah, he does. You know, he does. Oh, Bozzini, I didn't know until today it was Bozzini <laughs> all along. All right, that's what happened. He went, he saw right. the Godfather probably yeah, this week. Right. They planned it every hour on the hour, and he, he kind of just segued into his Don Corleone voice. So, so Bill, of, I would have to ahead. agree with you that it was yeah. the most boring speech. I mean, it was oh. relentlessly boring. Oh, but my God. I think it was extraordinarily important what he said. Well, I don't know about that. I didn't learn anything from the speech. Um, I, wow. And I don't think that Americans understand the big picture. And certainly right. uh, Joe Biden doesn't understand what he's doing. I mean, he didn't. Oh, know. I think he does. I think I he does. Think so. No, I disagree 100%. He... The reason I'm saying this is 
that speech last night could have been written by Rod Serling, the Twilight Zone guy. Yeah. That's how unrealistic and uh, fantastical were the day for Stu. Fantastical Thank that you, speech was. Mm-hmm. You can Why do you say that? Because the country owes $28 trillion now. All right? <laughs> and they have mm-hmm. to pay the United States and all of us who live here. We have to pay interest on that debt to investors mm-hmm. who bought uh, bonds, to foreign countries. We mm-hmm. have to pay it. So Biden comes up, and last night alone, um, all his plans. I, I know you noticed this. There's a lot of plans, Beck. There's plans. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. um, we have the family plan and mm-hmm. the COVID relief plan, the infrastructure mm-hmm. plan, the American mm-hmm. jobs plan. There's a lot of plans. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. plans add up just last night. To six trillion. So I'm not a math whiz, but I'm going twenty-eight trillion plus six is thirty-four trillion. Okay, so there are not enough wealthy people or evil corporations to even dent that. You can't. I mean, he's going up there. Oh, we're gonna give you everything if you have a baby. We're gonna pay for your babysitter. That's what he actually said. All right, so child care is babysitting. Feds are going to pay, all right, universal child care. What does that mean? That means if you don't have a job and you just want to get rid of the little tyke for five or six hours a day, the feds are going to pay. It's not necessary. You're not going to be tied into, well, you've got to work. No, it's universal child care. Then pre-K, we're going to start our schooling at three years old. We'll pay for all of that because we're going to have to build new schools with new teachers and new facilities because three-year-olds is a little tough going into the school when they don't even know their name. Okay. Then when you get through the public schooling, and by the way, when you get into the public school, the federal government is going to order, if you want block grant money, you to teach critical race theory, and critical race theory is basically white people are bad. All right. Then you get through the school, and then we're going to pay for your community college. Now, why you can't pay three or 4000 for community college, I don't know, but Joe's going to do it. So then it's like ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. It's never going to happen. It's impossible, financially and structurally. But because of all that President Biden said, I have given him a new nickname, Beck, and I'm going to announce it on your program right now. Are you ready? Okay. I'm all attention. This is, with respect, forever on, President Biden should be known as, you ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't say it yet. <laughs> Stu, have you, have you connected? No, have you have you uh, radio still, hall have you of fame alerted Bill. the He's press? The radio have you alerted the press yet? No. I just want to make sure we have everybody. You Go ahead. Stepped on my line. Of course you did. <laughs> of course. Welcome to my world. The nickname is now Joey Warbucks, cousin of Daddy Warbucks from Annie Fame. Joey Warbucks. Okay. Hey, he's going to take out the big roll. He's going to pill. Peel off a couple of tens. Hey, here I am. I'm Joey Warbucks. So this is crazy. All right. And, and anyone with a modicum of intelligence or 
any political science background at all or any economic background. Anybody would know. So this is what amused me the most. Right after um, Joey Warbucks got off the stage, CBS took a snap poll of CBS viewers. And guess what? 85% of them liked the speech. Get 80. Wow. 85% of CBS News viewers like the speech. That's like Fox News taking a poll after a Trump speech. <laughs> it's the same thing. If you're not a Democrat leftist, you don't watch CBS News. Doesn't anybody understand that? So this whole thing to me, it is, I, I, I'm going to revise my uh, disagreement with you. The speech was important because of the absurdity of it. But it wasn't important in the sense that any of this is ever going to happen. Let me make one more point. Mm. And this is an important point. At the end of the speech, Biden sneaks in a little border stuff. All right. It, that was not the border in the race was played down in the speech. Yes. And Biden says to the American people, <clears throat> you know, when I was vice president, my boss, Barack Obama, put me in charge of Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and the root causes of migration into the USA. And I had that problem solved. Me, Joe Biden, I did it. But then Trump came in and wrecked it. Remember that? Uh-huh. You don't remember it, do you? It was at the end when everybody was somnambulant, another word of the day. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, please end this. All right? So he says that. That he, Joe Biden, solved the migration root cause. In the eight years Barack Obama was president and Biden was vice president, they deported more human beings from the United States than any other administration combined. But Joe solved it. So we're at a point now in America, because of the corrupt press, where you can go on, if you're a politician, and say anything. You can say Godzilla is going to come on Thursday, so you better all, you know, hunker down. And it, it's fine if Godzilla doesn't show up. Ah, so he didn't come. He's late. This is the country we're living in now, and it's it's a little frightening. So I want to ask you a couple of things because um, what I picked up from the speech was that he's not. But other countries are questioning whether democracy can compete, you know, whether we are going to be fast enough to compete to, to uh, win against these autocracies uh, in the 21st century. And I've talked to President Xi and President Putin, and they don't believe we can compete. Really? Our, our communist and, and, uh, and, and uh, state killer don't think that America can win? Um, and he said, you know, we just have to move. We have to move. We have to move. This is important because of what he said to the press prior to he met with some of the um, the trusted anchors. And I'm quoting him before the speech. He said, and I really believe because I've spoken with over, I guess, by the time, 25, 30 heads of state, including Putin and President uh, Z. I had a two hour conversation with him and I'd, I've been convinced for a long time. Well, look, I doubt many of you would agree with me, but I, I think we're going to. Look, they're going to write history about this point in history, not about any of us in here, but about whether or not a democracy can function in the 21st century. Not a joke. Whether autocracy is the answer. Uh, 
They were my many discussions that I have had many times when I've met with President Z. Think about it. You know things are moving so damn rapidly. Things are changing so rapidly in the world in science and technology, the whole range of other issues. The question is, is a democracy that's such a genius as ours, can you get a consensus in the time frame that can compete with an autocracy? So when he was saying, pass it now, pass it now, pass it now, you got to do it now, the world won't wait, he was setting up uh, that our democracy, as our republic has spelled out, is just not working. We have to make fundamental changes to the system because it's just not working. We Look, all the American people agree. And there's just some people that are just stubborn and, quite honestly, part of this, this white racism and this systemic racism that, um, that uh, just won't agree and won't help us move forward. And we've got to move. We've got to change. I really think this was the the cornerstone speech to be able to come back maybe a year from now and say, we tried it, but they won't move. I begged them, they but they wouldn't it. move. Right. They won't do it. Well, that's the transformative philosophy that Barack Obama has. That's yes. what that is. But Joe yes. Biden doesn't know what he's saying. You don't think he really understands what he's saying, do you? Uh, I I do to some extent i, I, I don't know. think he's creating any of it he doesn't um, know but I th- the bigger picture of what his acolytes are telling him he doesn't understand that by printing six trillion dollars the u.s treasury department will impose tremendous inflation on this country joe biden doesn't know that he doesn't know macroeconomics so if you have money Bill, in the bank... Bill, I'm a high save, school graduate, and I know that. Uh, right. Okay, I'm a high school graduate. He doesn't know it in his diminished capacity. All right? He doesn't understand what he's saying as far as the repercussions of it or the unintended consequences of it. It's obvious. Because if, you could, if, if I'm or you are interviewing Joe Biden, Beck or O'Reilly, and he's there. It's one-on-one. It would be a catastrophe for Mr. Biden, would it not? A catastrophe. Because you could say no. to him, it, it, look, what you're proposing is socialism, Mr. President. That's what you're proposing. You want the government to control policing. That's what the George Floyd bill is all about. You want the government to control elections when clearly in a constitutional, that's the state purview. You want the government to control a private economy. All right. And the government is going to create the jobs. How many times last night did he say, we're going to create the jobs? How many? Yes. A, a right, million got, times if it were one. I got 18. Yeah. The government doesn't create jobs. The private sector does. Does Biden know that? No. Now, the people behind Biden know it. The speechwriter knows it. So basically what Biden was telling the United, to the American people was, we don't really believe in this free marketplace anymore. We don't want capitalism. Correct. Capitalism is and he does white not. supremacy. Can, Okay, Bill, let me just yes. let me say let me rephrase or, or reset in your mind the way we're looking at Joe Biden. Joe Biden is part of the elite. And yes, he is diminished ca- capacity. 
But this conversation has been happening for a long time before he had diminished capacity. Um, when we started to do TARP, I know because I know people that were in that room, they were they were saying at the time we have to violate the free market to save the free market, which didn't make any sense. Um, but they started down this road and they were looking for the exit strategy. It will come back to normal. It will come back to normal. We'll go back and we'll erase all that debt. Well, they tried. It didn't work. So what's the exit strategy? Then they started getting mixed up with, uh, you know, just money printing. The Fed printed six trillion dollars and gave it to the banks just last year in the last 12 months. Um, And so there's no way out. So what's the exit strategy? The exit strategy is and you've heard this for years. China is the new model, more of uh, an autocratic rule that the government makes a private uh, public partnership and we begin to move in a different way and we publicly invest. Now, at the same time, we know that all this money is going to cause inflation, but the dollar is the reserve currency. That writing has been on the wall for quite some time. So as part of this great reset is a great financial reset. But you can't reset the dollar unless the dollar is completely decimated. So go ahead, give it the juice, and we'll put the structure in for it to collapse in. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I don't think he could he could have understood what you just said. <laughs> All right, so we just have a gentleman's disagreement. Okay. So if you if you look at Joe Biden's um, history, he's always been a party guy. Never been an innovative guy, never been a creative guy, you know, plagiarism all over the place in his resume, as you know. All right. Yes. He's a party guy. They used to call him party hacks. I don't want to be disrespectful, but that's what he is. He's always done what he's told to do. Now he's the progressives run the party. Everybody knows that. There are very few even moderate Democrats. Yeah, I don't think they're even progressives is doing anymore. What he is told to do. Does he understand what inflation is, how much money the Treasury printed just to fight COVID? No. I talked to Newt Gingrich yesterday. He was kind enough to have me on his podcast to talk about killing the mob. And um, we talked a little bit about politics before we got to the book. And I said to uh, the speaker, who's a very smart guy, you may not like him, He's not a good predictor. I mean, he said Trump is going to win in a landslide. I went, which Trump are we talking about? Ivanka? Um, Because I knew that it was going to be not a good thing. It's certainly not a landslide. But anyway, um, Gingrich said to me, the danger here is inflation. Not that the economy is going to uh, collapse um, overnight because we're going to have consumer spending, which is going to be Correct. robust after COVID. But it will be a melt up. It will the, be a just rapid rise and then a crash. Right. But you can see it now in the price yes. of gas. Gas is way up. Grocery. Plywood. You know, I went to a restaurant today. They wanted $55 for a steak. I, I said, are you going to give me a couple of tires for my car with that? I mean, $55. So this is what's happening. But Biden doesn't understand that. He doesn't live in the real world. All right. He's he's always been a marginal intellect. Always. Okay. And um, now 
He's in charge, and that's frightening. Na, 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 na.